0: Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Ahrefs, an all-in-one SEO tool set that gives you what you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. And now you can use their webmaster tools for free. Ahrefs has been instrumental for me in increasing traffic to my sites. Over the holidays, I had the best quarter for affiliate income because it showed me my most popular pages and topics, and I was able to optimize and update accordingly. Their webmaster tools are made for small website owners. Connect your website through Google Search Console and get your site audits, backlinks, and keyword data. If you create content, this is a must-have. Gain a following and increase traffic to your site for free. Sign up for Ahrefs at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot slash A-W-T. How often should you publish? Should you use affiliate links? Do those 30-day challenges really help? Alistair McDermott and I are both relative beginners of our YouTube journeys, and we're each taking different approaches, hopefully ones that suit our needs and goals appropriately. Listen in as we talk about what we're doing, how we're doing it, and of course, why. we'll talk We'll also tell you why your phone is the best camera for you and your channel, something I covered recently on a previous episode. In Build Something More, we talk about when we've each bartered for work. It's always a great conversation when Alistair and I get together and I'm really excited for you to hear it because uh, we're covering YouTube a lot this year. I am using YouTube uh, both to monetize my business as well as separately to build authority in the podcasting space. And so we we each talk about different approaches for that. I think it's going to be really great this episode, by the way, is brought to you by Hrefs and Nexus. You'll hear about them later on in the show, uh, and you can learn more about them as well as find all of the show notes and a special offer over at HowIBuiltIt two five seven. But for now, let's get to the intro and the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps small business owners create engaging content that drives sales. Each week, I talk about how you can build good content faster to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Real quick, before we jump into the interview, we've been talking a lot about content and content planning on this show as of late, and YouTube particularly has been a big topic of conversation. But planning and staying organized with all of this content can be hard. If you're not sure how to plan and lay out your content strategy, I have a free resource available for you over at howibuilt.it slash Airtable. If you go to how I built it slash Airtable, you can get the free content planners built with Airtable that I actually use to plan the content for both this podcast and my YouTube channel. This will help you log ideas, stay organized, and keep your content production moving. It creates a schedule for you with various statuses. It allows you to log ideas and everything that I do and recommend if you're producing a ton of content. Again, you can find that over at howibuilt.it slash Airtable. It is completely free. And if you are planning content, no matter if it's for a podcast, YouTube, or even your blog, this is something that you definitely need. All right. Welcome. Welcome. I am here with Alistair McDermott. He's a good friend of mine. He's been on the show before a repeat guest, but we talk regularly. And today we're talking about content creation for authors and speakers, building YouTube. We have different approaches to our YouTube channels. Uh, and we, we discussed this at the end of 2021. Uh, but I thought it would be a fun conversation for us today to talk about our our strategies and kind of how we're doing youtube what we want to use youtube for uh either to build authority or or make money and all that fun stuff so let's bring in Alistair. uh alister how are you doing today joe i'm doing good yeah i
1: think this is a really interesting topic so i'm i'm delighted to be here to talk to you about it yeah um so youtube for me is has become more of a focus i i rebuilt my well i renovated my office and i wanted to make it kind of a little bit more youtuber style so i i kind of um I did some work for an interior designer. So I got her to, to do, nice. uh, do some work, uh, return the favor. And so she she helped me make the office look pretty cool. So so have, I have what makes for a decent studio if I want to do some video.
0: That's fantastic. So uh, actually, maybe this is something that we could talk about and build something more. Uh, the the members only uh, part of the episode for the Creator Crew, which you can get over at joincreatorcrew.com. Uh, but trading, uh, bartering for work. I've only bartered a couple of times uh, and uh, members will know if they listen what I've bartered for. Uh, But YouTube has become more of a focus for you. Likewise for me, by the way, I see your office. It looks really good. Um, But YouTube has become more of a focus for me as well. Uh, In uh, Gosh, I guess around the time the pandemic started, I started doing more live streams and, and putting real effort into my YouTube videos and i kind of lucked into uh i did one on the Sony A6400 kind of how to set this 4K camera up if you're not a photographer and that is still my top performing video um but uh since then i've been i've been putting a lot more effort into it my channel's monetized but this year uh, I want to kind of get off the the hamster wheel of the focus, the, the pressure of publishing weekly and just publish good content. Um, so I guess my first, well, first, let's talk a little bit about who are you? What do you do? If anybody missed the uh, the live coaching episode, which I'll, I will link to uh, in cool. the show notes.
1: Yeah, well, what I do is I help consultants and experts who are invisible, who who are not really kind of known to the world. And I help them to become more visible to build their authority. So I like to say I, I help them remove their cloak of invisibility. And <laughs> so, like, you know, when in Harry Potter, when they're wearing this cloak, nobody yes. can see them. And then when, uh, you know, you, you take off the cloak and be visible to the world. So it, what, what it's really about is it's really about this journey to authority, going from being this expert who's really good at what you do, but nobody knows who you are and becoming an authority, a recognized authority in your field. And so I have a podcast called The Recognized Authority.
0: Yes, I will link that in the show notes as well. You can find, by the way, all of the show notes over at How I Built That It slash 257 uh, for episode 257. But yeah, Recognized Authority. Um, I've been a guest on that show. That's one of the few shows I listen to weekly. And actually, uh, the the episode that kicked off this year, not my yearly theme episode, the first guest, Rochelle Moulton, um, was a guest that I heard on Alistair's podcast that I knew I had to get to set the tone for season 11 of How I Built It.
1: Wow, cool. Yeah, and, and she is my only repeat guest so far. And uh, yeah, Ro- Rochelle is great.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I read her book. I mean, I don't want this to be a commercial for her book, but I read her book and it's great and I love it. Um so uh, I guess I'll have to link to her episode too. That was episode 249. Um but So that is The Authority Code by Rochelle Moulton. Yes, the Authority. very good, The Authority Code. So I'm doing the advertisement. Yes, <laughs> yes, love it. Um and then uh, I'll I'll link her uh, her episode in the in the show notes. Um so YouTube has become more of a focus. You help experts remove their cloak of, ability, uh, of invisibility. I love that because, you know, as someone who established, I established my authority in a very different area several years ago, um, publishing a couple of books on WordPress development, and now I'm pivoting to decidedly not WordPress development. Um, and, and making that pivot has been a little bit hard. I didn't just pick up a new topic and be like, I'm going to be an expert in this. Now I've actually been doing the work and, and learning the craft over the last five or seven years, maybe. Um, and, and now I'm kind of ready to make that move. And so, uh, when you talk about YouTube, do you see this as an authority building avenue for people? I I think so. Yeah. I mean, All of the publishing channels can
1: help you build your authority in different ways. So for example, you can self-publish a book or you can commercially publish a book and those have different indicators. And YouTube is is just another. But the great thing about YouTube is it can really create a connection and help build trust because you're actually seeing the person on your screen and it helps. It's, it's kind of a bit more personal when you see somebody on video like that.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And actually, um, Jess Freeman talked about that a couple of months ago on this show, uh, how she uh, uses YouTube for that exact thing, right? She uses it to generate leads and build trust. And she's a web designer, a web developer. And so people see her kind of talk about things that she does. And they're not tutorials, right? Because those tutorials, and this was uh, an epiphany I came to during uh, my conversation with her. Tutorials are for do-it-yourselfers, right? Uh, and if I'm trying to target do-it-yourselfers, then I have the tutorials. But if I am if I want people to hire me to do it for them, I should just tell them everything they need to do and why they need to do it. And then they'll be like, well, I should hire Joe to do that for me.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there's going to be some people who see the tutorial and say, okay, I don't want to do this, but I know Joe can do it. So I'll hire yeah. him for that. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't really see too much difference between those two different types of video, but... I mean, I, I just had Marcus Sheridan on the show and one example he gave in in our interview was he said, look, uh, if you're a technical SEO person and you're a technical SEO consultant and you explain to the client how to do technical SEO, they're going to say, like, take my money. They just don't want to do that because it's just such a pain, you know? So um, so I, I think if you display uh, the knowledge of, of doing something, then people know that they can trust you to do that for them. And, and that's enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's show people that you you know what you're talking about, right? Um, Because there's like, I mean, there's a lot of snake oil on the internet as we record this. Um, God, I don't want to start a controversy or anything, but uh, as we already, (laughs) yeah, right. As we record this, um, there's a little bit of a controversy going on with Spotify and Joe Rogan, and no matter what side of the coin you fall, uh, you what side of the the Aisle you fall to on that, I guess. Um, Joe Rogan is giving a platform to people that may or may not be agreeable or disagreeable to you. Is that is is that enough of a line to straddle? Um, But uh, so it's. I think it's. It's important that if you say you can do something, you can. You you need to be able to show people evidence that you can right before they hire you. It's easier than ever to to find that evidence now. I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, for I think for for some things there seems to be uh, um, kind of lower bars for evidence, but but let's just yes. say that for 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 most most intents and purposes, uh, it is good to have something out there that shows you know actually what you're talking about and you can actually do what you say you do. So, and and I think that YouTube is a great way to do that because you know people can see you on the camera they can see you talking they can see you demonstrating whatever it is that you do um whether that be a screen capture or you know you physically doing something in person on camera or whatever that is so i think that's you know that that's a great way to to kind of build that trust
0: yeah absolutely and and i know for for some people um you know i think the the generation behind us maybe um is uh is the first generation who have said things like you know i want to be a you like a professional youtuber when I grow up um because there are people who make a ton of money just off of YouTube I think the vast majority of people are not doing that right and and you know my sh- my channel's monetized but you know i can't I can't feed my kids off of the youtube monetization uh only
1: yeah and- Like talking about that, so my take on it is I will be able to monetize my YouTube channel far more if I get one client every quarter than I ever would. Through ads, so I I don't ever intend to turn on monetization. Uh, now I I can't right now; it's not big enough to. But even even when it is, uh, so you should go uh, subscribe to the Recognized Authority YouTube channel, by the way. Uh, so, but even <laughs> even when it grows uh, to the point that I can monetize it, you know that you'll never have to watch ads there because. I uh, it's, it's far more likely for me to, and far more profitable, to, to bring in one new client. And and that's that's the reality for a lot of, um, I think, B2B expert businesses. Uh, if you're selling something that's more of a B2C commodity, so that's business to consumer, if you're selling something that's more consumer focused, then I think monetization may work really well for you. But if you're doing something that's, that's more B2B, I, I think that monetization, I, I would just, I would just look at other options as well and just kind of um maybe maybe plug the numbers into a spreadsheet and see what it looks like.
0: Yeah, now that's really interesting, right? Because um my my channel is monetized. I have ads turned on. Um something that I probably shouldn't guarantee, but the way I'm feeling right now, I don't I can't ever see myself turning on uh the mid like mid-roll or in-video ads, right? Mm-hmm. Where like the the video gets interrupted. Unless I can determine the exact point the ad is put in, right? And you can't do right. that on YouTube. Um, you know, if I can say like, all right, now we're gonna take a break, uh, so you watch so you can watch this ad or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they they don't. They just kind of insert it where they think it's best. Um and and mine's monetized partially because um it it's a I mean it's a fine revenue stream for me. Um but I feel like that gives me a little bit of extra authority, right? Because I'm teaching people how to create consistent content and how to make money doing it. And so this is a little badge that I, okay, I make money through podcast sponsors. I make money through affiliate links and I make money just from my YouTube videos. Um, Yeah. I I think it makes sense for two reasons there, actually.
1: Uh, Number one, to show that you can do it. And number two is because you're continuously learning and experimenting with the system, which I think is important if you want to talk to people about it, that you're actually doing what you talk about so that you can you can learn and show, hey, there's something new here. Here you go.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so... Okay, um, I'm giving I, you a free pass on this one, Joe. You're okay. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, now, similarly, right, I have another channel called Podcast Liftoff. Um, the main goal of that is to get more podcasting um, clients, right, or podcast consulting clients, I can't see myself monetizing that channel um, mm-hmm. for, for yeah. the reasons you just said.
1: Yeah. I'll give you one other example. Um, I, I, in my podcast interviews, usually I, I ask the guests, actually, I think I've done every episode, I ask the guests at the end for business book recommendations and fiction book recommendations as well, just because I'm interested to know what people read, and I'm a big, big reader. But yeah. I'm, I'm never going to have an, an Amazon affiliate link on there because the amount of money that I would make off of book sales would, would be so negligible. And it I think it just sends a kind of, it, it kind of would cheapen it a little bit. So, um, so I'm just not doing that. I'm just not, not putting in affiliate links there. And again, it's just the same kind of idea. Uh, it'll, it also allows me to say, Hey, there's no affiliate links on my site. So I have a free book, a free ebook on how to, uh, set up your video and, uh, and microphone to sound better and look better, and so I have that, and I don't have any affiliate links in there either, and it just allows me to say, "Hey, look, this is pure unbiased information, there's no affiliate links or anything like that and I'm not saying that you would be biased if there were affiliate links in there, but you're definitely not if there's none and so it just allows me to say that, and so that you know that's, that's just something that else I think it just allows you to to kind of um, to stay a bit more premium. Um, to how to 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 be slightly up the 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 ladder in terms of uh, how, how you come across
0: yeah, that's really interesting, right? because I think uh, this is <clears throat> this is I think where our approaches differ a little bit, right? Your sole purpose is establishing uh, authority, helping other people establish their authority. Um, my purpose in my content is to monetize the content. And yep. then to show people how to do it. Right. So, um, but again, I don't ask people specifically what books they read. Right. I feel like if I did that, then it would be like a thinly veiled excuse to have at least one affiliate in all of my, uh, in all of my show notes. But I don't, um, if a book comes up and, uh, well, actually more often than not now, I, they, they're not cause my VA puts together my notes and, uh, I haven't instructed her to just use like, she'll just find the title on Amazon. Um, but uh, I mean, the point, the point still stands, right? I do have a bunch of content with affiliate links um, because my mission is to help people monetize their content and I want to show them the the ways to do it. Um, in my, I, I guess I can't, I guess I can't say this definitively, but most of the time in my premium content, there are no affiliate links, right? There are, um, that's, or I should say, it's not only affiliate links, right? Because you have, I have these toolkits, and you'll you'll see people put together these lists. Uh, actually, here's a perfect example. I was looking for a good hammer, uh, and I the first link I clicked on was basically just the top ten hammers when you do an Amazon search. And I'm like, this is not the best hammers. This is just the hammers that get bought the most. Mm-hmm. Um, where I went to, like I think Bob Vila's website. Um, And the first hammer I saw was a hammer I'd never heard of. So, you know, he has the authority. And even if he is using affiliate links there, that's his content being monetized. But he's already established his authority. I hope I made that point well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one example of, of where this is done the wrong way is if you look for any kind of website hosting company, And just look at the articles with affiliate links, and Mm -hmm. it's you will never like you'll find all these articles. You know the top ten hosting companies. They are never the top ten hosting companies. They're the the top uh, ten affiliate commission based companies. Yes. So um, you know, don't trust anything that you read about hosting online. You know, it's, it's it's yeah. That's that's the problem, and, and that's what I'm trying to move away from. And and look, I know that a lot of people make money and make make a good li- living as affiliates, and and I'm not saying that you know that like it's not like it's every affiliate out there who who's who's doing this. And it's a lot of people just trying to monetize what they do. So I, I think there's there's like this line that you have to tread, and um and I know that like what, one thing that some people do is they 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 say, okay, I will never uh, I'll never give an affiliate link for something that I haven't used myself. And that that I stand over that I can recommend, and that's what that's one way to go, you know
0: yeah and and uh, that is more often than not my approach, um you know, I say like you know, I'll always put in my affiliate link for my my recommended hosting company, um. Oh, and actually they're a sponsor of this podcast. So Nexus. Uh, So actually the link here is not going to be an affiliate link because that's another thing I don't do. If they're giving me money for the sponsorship, I'm not going to double dip. Um, But uh, (laughs) I, I tell people, and if you're listening to the ad supported version of this episode, you'll hear me say it. I host all of my important sites on Nexus. Like that's the God's honest truth. So I don't, I don't feel any qualms about using an affiliate link there. Uh, The same thing with ConvertKit, right? Um, I run all of my email marketing stuff through ConvertKit. Um so I'm not going to throw a, a Mailchimp affiliate link in there cuz I don't really use Mailchimp or I'm not going to throw an ActiveCampaign affiliate link in there cuz I don't use ActiveCampaign. Um and so uh, I think I think you're right that's a good you know put your money where your mouth is um that way. But uh I think you're you're right especially about the hosting company articles, right? It's like yeah, you're basically selling that article to the highest bidder, um, and that's you know I, that's not the that's not the best way to do it. Um, I have a, a, a page like that, but it's basically like use this host if you do this, use this host if you do this, and they're not even all affiliate links. Again, they're all, they're affiliate links for the hosting companies I use. Um, cool. So, so that was a nice discussion about monetizing and YouTube and affiliate links. Um, Let's talk about our approaches to creating the YouTube videos. Mm. Um, I try to publish on each channel fortnightly opposite weeks, right? So this week, as we record this, a video on Podcast Liftoff will be coming out. Last week, uh, a video came out on my, my main channel. Um, this is up from a video each on each channel. Uh, a video on each channel every week. Right. So,
1: okay. So I'll, I'll kind of give the high level overview of, of my thinking on this and, and then we can, we can kind of break it down from there. So I, I did a, a training course with, uh, video creators, that's Tim Schmuer's company. And so what we did, uh, it was an eight week course. And so there was, it, it it really was very much for established YouTubers. And so I was very much the newbie in the room. And I was really like, it was fascinating. It was a really interesting course. What I took from it, and I'm going to boil it down. I'm just going to give you the 80-20 because I, mm. I kind of ignored 80% of it that I felt, okay, this is not for me right now. and I might go back and implement some of it and things like that. But um, I didn't feel like it was right for me right now. What I took from it was the content that I create is educational content. That's the type of content and it's business focused. In fact, it may even come across as boring if it's not like like absolutely perfectly uh, for you if you're not in my target market. But what I took from it was I need to make my educational content more interesting and more entertaining. And so what I need to do is I need to bring in more storytelling into it in particular. Uh, And I also... Should look at bringing in like elements of like the three act structure or the hero's journey into into how I actually plan the videos. Um, also, I want to I want to raise the quality of the videos that I'm making, so so keep them high quality. And I'm not just talking about the you know the video like the the actual image quality. I'm mm-hmm. talking about you know the, like the whole thing should be put together well. It should be well planned. And so that I'm I'm kind of thinking that you know these should be almost. Not quite, but almost TV ready documentaries. You know, if you can imagine, um, like I don't know if 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 we get the same Discovery Channel uh, over here as we as you guys get in the states, but uh, on the Discovery Channel, there is these um, somewhat terrible uh, garage shows or garage shows where they take cars <laughs> and they they rebuild them, and uh, or they're they're building motorbikes. Or whatever, and and so usually all of these TV shows, the the premise is the same. They start out with a car or a motorbike or something to build or repair or fix or do up, and whatever the whatever the show is, they're all very similar. Um, By the end of the show, they manage to get put it all together, and they show the before and the after, and it's all great. But during that show. There's always some tension. There's always like a deadline or a budget or in the case of the motorbike guys there was usually like they usually threw chairs at each other and had big mm-hmm. <laughs> big big
0: arguments or something. Yeah. I, I think
1: everybody knows the guys I'm talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm I am
0: from I am from where that show
1: was okay, shot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
1: so you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's always some yeah. tension. There's always some something going on in the background. Like, it's not about the actual building. Like, it's not about, you know, screwing bolts onto a motorbike or, right. you know, painting a car. Like, it's not actually about the process of that. There's always a story, you know, around it. And I'm not saying those shows are perfect. They're not. But they do; they're they're really sticky. And what I mean by that yeah. is they they hook people. You kind of you're flicking channels and you start watching one, and you kind of just you know. And and again, they're not for everybody, but I find that that model is works really well. And and so I'm wondering what elements of that? How can I make my videos more sticky in that way to get people to keep watching, to be interested, to add a little bit more attention to them, and and a lot of that is through story and, and storytelling and, and um, yeah, so, so that's something I really want to bring in. And uh, I'm I'm kind of looking at doing less videos, but making them better quality. So that's kind of my approach.
0: Yeah. So I have a point on that. I'm really excited to make, uh, but um, just to drive home your point about the tension and the stickiness, right? Um, I try to relate things back to star Wars whenever I can. And, one of the reasons that Rogue One got kind of um, lampooned as a not very good movie is because there's no tension, right? It's a movie about how the Death Star plans were acquired. I was super interested in that because I like the Star Wars lore, but there's, there are no stakes. We know they get the plans. We know the Death Star gets blown up. We know that these characters that we're seeing don't make it into a new hope. So we know what happens to them in the end, more or less. There were no there was virtually no tension because we knew already how the movie ended. Um, and if you're if you're into Star Wars and you like the standard kind of Star Wars telling mold, that's that doesn't work for you, right? It's kind of another reason I think the book of Boba Fett is not working for a lot of people. Um, there's more tension, but it doesn't feel as sticky unless you're like. Unless you're like my type of Star Wars fan where I like Star Wars stuff. I don't, I, I'm not a Star Wars fan who hates Star Wars, uh, but I'm also not like a casual fan of sci-fi, right? So like, I'm like in the middle right? I just, I will just like any canon Star Wars story.
1: <laughs> okay. So you, you and I are not going to get on Trek for life.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. My dad's my dad's a Star Trek fan as well, not a Star Wars fan. So, I've I live in harmony with uh with Star Trek fans. Um, <laughs> so about the quality over quantity. I am by the time this episode comes out, I think this this piece will be available on my blog. Um, but I am I am working on a 30 day challenge uh called one good thing or one thing well i forgot what domain i was able to pick up um but you see all these challenges on twitter right tweet 100 um matt ragland is doing you know i'm i'm putting out a podcast episode every day in january Dickie bush does the ship 30 for 30 and i don't think any of these challenges are good or healthy for creators because what you're basically just doing is telling them to churn out whatever they can churn out. Um, maybe they get a process in place, but it's definitely not a long-term thing. And so the, oppo- the, the challenge that I'm working on that I want to do is, hey, take something, work on it for 30 days, release what you have at the end of those 30 days, maybe tweet about the progress you've made each day. I didn't, pre- I didn't prep Alistair on this either, so I'm curious to know what you think about that. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you. All right. Yes. Good old, here's the tension. This is the cold open for the podcast. I've got no virtual
1: chair that I can throw at you. So the the (laughs) listener is just going to imagine that, you know, there's there's some sort of folding chair making its way through the ether towards your face. Have to put a sound effect in there. (laughs) Right. So, um, okay. The thing is, I think you have to put the reps in at some point. And I think a lot of people are just going to procrastinate. And so if you say, okay, work away in, you know, work away in a dark room for 30 days and then come show us what you got. And I know you talked about, you know, say, saying you're making progress and things like that. But most people are just not going to not going to do it. I okay. think if you say, I'm going to work in public, then you're actually going to put the reps in and you're going to put it out in public. And, and by the way, I'm not saying that you leave all of those videos open. Um, like I have deleted and removed a lot of my older videos that that just don't meet the standard. I, what what I want is that if people go look at my uh, YouTube channel and they watch all the videos, and and I'm hoping that I'll, I'll have more as as time goes on. But every time, if they watch all of them, th- that none of them stick out as oh that really you know that 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 isn't very good quality in terms of content or production or anything like that. I want them to to be. Like, I want them to all be like at a, I'm going to say like a B standard. Uh, and, okay. and and by that, I mean like the grade system, like A, B, C, yeah. D, you know. Yeah. Um, most of my old videos are like a, 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 a D or an E. And and so I, I want to get it up to like a B or a B plus. Uh, I'm not saying it has to be like Hollywood levels of production right. quality, but I I do want them to be decent, you know. And so, but I, I do think you have to put in the reps. I think you have to, you have to like, you don't read, uh, sorry, you don't learn how to swim by reading a book. You got to get into the water at some point. And so I think what those challenges do is they force you to get into the water
0: and, and that's where they're, they're useful. This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that Store Builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. StoreBuilder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. So does the mindset matter then, right? You're not going in saying, all right, well, I'm only... Because like, okay, Jay Klaus, I did his Tweet uh, tweet 100 challenge. Felt like work, but it did work. I, get, I like my Twitter following increased dramatically over that time. Um, mm-hmm. And then he, on the 100th day, he said, let's do Tweet 365. Um I think that felt like, I'm not going to say a bait and switch because it's definitely working for him. He like charges some amount of money per quarter to have a tweet 100 community now. So he's obviously monetized it in a way that I have been unable to do so far. Um, But uh, is it the mindset? Okay, well, I'm doing like Dickie Bush's uh, ship 30 for 30. I know I'm not going to publish daily in perpetuity.
1: Yeah, well... Now, one thing is, if you do train yourself to to work that way, working daily. I mean, if you can publish daily, you are incrementally going to improve so much over time. Like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be massive when you go from the the first day to the last. It's it's like going to the gym. You know, you're not gonna see if you work out every day. And uh, okay, there's there's issues there. We're we'll talking about working out, but like, let's say you go to the gym every single day, you're not gonna see results after two weeks or three weeks well you might right. see results after weeks but after a year you like you're going to be a totally different person than you were when you started so right. uh, th- th- there is the equivalent no matter what kind of content you're creating you're just going to improve over time by 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 doing it and doing it and doing it now it's good to have to do that in some sort of supervised manner where you know people are saying hey you could you could improve by doing this or you could improve by doing that which is i think where the guided part of the challenges comes in but yeah i, I think there is just something about putting in reps on a regular basis um, I think there is an advantage to that,
0: okay, all right, and it's inter- i mean i i'm I agree that you need to get your reps in. um the thing i maybe I'll have to maybe this is like I'm workshopping the copy for this challenge right now. um but for for me, I think about the long term it's so let me tell you what started this whole thing off was uh, another guy talked about um how he Dickie Bush retweeted this guy. I forget his name, but I'm going to check out one of his books. He said he published four books last year, and this year he wants to publish eight books. And I'm like, I'm thinking, now it just seems like you're publishing for the sake of publishing because uh, writing a book is hard. <laughs> and it's not something that you could just, you know, not everybody's James Patterson, where the guy puts out like 100 books a year. Um, I, I think it's unreasonable to be, re, unreasonable to be like, yeah, you could publish a book every six weeks. Yeah, I I, I think
1: that's. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking of Alan Weiss, uh, who is a consultant. He wrote the Million Dollar Consultant, and mm-hmm. he's written sixty three other books. I think he's at sixty four books right now, which is just insane. Like they've been translated in a whole bunch of different languages, and it, that model is, has worked so well. And and he is a machine. So uh, it works for some people. You know the the. The um, how how would I put it um, the kind of um, the the freak the the super frequent publishing model let's say and yeah. and I, I would love so I I like you wrote a book about WordPress back in the day mine was more aimed at business owners um, mm-hmm. and I self published it but um, and I moved away from that niche a long time ago. But at the same time, it was good to, it was good to write and, and to publish something. And, and I did see a, I did see an improvement when I, I started to write my next book, um, which is about um, niching down. And that <laughs> that's actually with the, with the publisher at the moment, uh, had a niche down and nice. I, haven't got a, I haven't got a working title for that, but that's, that's kind of what the topic is, how to specialize your, your expert business. And. So it was so much easier to write the second time after having gone through the first process. And, you know, like I, I, I just had, a, had an idea of what I was doing.
0: Yeah. I, so, okay, this is a really good point, right? Because I don't want to get my point misconstrued. I write every single day. I think there is a lot of value to writing every single day. What I don't, where I worry about the, uh, the let's say mental health ramifications, is by glamorizing the need to publish every day. And I, I, so I want to bring it back to your point about how you're publishing your YouTube videos, right? Because there are people who publish every day or multiple times a week. Um, Sarah Dietschy and uh, MKBHD come to mind, but these are people who make nearly all of their money in some way, shape, or form off of their YouTube channel. Yeah. So yeah. when you say you're looking for quality over quantity, do you have a published schedule or do you just? I'm, I'm, I tell you
1: what. So this is really important to clarify. For me, YouTube is very much a secondary channel, mm-hmm. so it's not the primary thing. The podcast is 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 first and foremost for me. Um, my email list is is super important, and and YouTube is is like you know LinkedIn is is more important than YouTube, for example. Um, Twitter kind of probably is more important right now as well so YouTube is like a um support isn't the right word but it's 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 like a place that I can send people say hey I did a video on this topic go check it out and they'll go there and and they'll see that I have four or five other videos right now and they'll they'll have a look at those and and you know maybe in a year's time I'll have twelve. Good videos, good good quality mm-hmm. videos on on various different topics. I might have some live streams on there as well. That's the other thing with YouTube. It's very easy to hit, hit go live and and just kind of riff on something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I think those are a bit different than produced YouTube videos. So, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of like what I'm thinking. Like if you were to say like what's your publishing schedule? Probably something like one video a quarter. Maybe maybe two or three videos a quarter. But that would be it. I I, I can't ever see myself doing more than one a month. Um, that said, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, but that's kind of my, my thinking right now. And by the way, I know that there's people out there thinking, oh my God, you know, that like you really need to make more videos than that. But there are channels out there with five, 10, 15 videos and each one of them has, you know, two or 3 million views. So it is possible to do it that way as well. I know because I looked at a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff for research during the course. So there are different ways to approach it. Uh, and so I'm kind of maybe I'm dipping my toe in the water more than you would be in terms of of using YouTube.
0: Yeah, you know that's I think I think that's a really good point. And I you know like I said I I'm cutting back my publishing schedule because uh, it was too much, and I think I would publish videos just for the sake of publishing, and the quality went down because of it. Right where now I have a pretty clear pipeline, and now I have two weeks to make a video and that's plenty of time for me because um, th- that's my style. Right. Um, and I have an editor. That's the other thing. I have somebody edit my videos cause I hate, I hate editing. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, a b- big, it depends on a lot of things. Um, what you want to do, what your goals are. Uh, so, and if you're looking to establish your authority on a few topics, maybe you do have a few really highly produced videos uh optimize those thumbnails and titles because that's where like 80% of clicks come from um and and then you don't have to publish every month or every two months um cgp gray i mean he you know he made his bones like early in the youtube days but he he doesn't ascribe to the i need to publish a video every tuesday or whatever um he publishes about one a month, one every six weeks, and they all do really well. Um, whereas Rumi Official, uh, Joel from Rumi Official, um, he's a music YouTuber, love his videos. Um, he publishes every day and he tried experimenting with other things, but his daily videos are the things that do the best. So it's all about experimenting. Maybe that's another place where these daily challenges help you. Is yeah. you can experiment and iterate more quickly.
1: Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And and so I think that you know if you want to go do those challenges, go do them. You can learn so much. And and I did do a video challenge with um with with a company called Clockwise, and it was it was a thirty day challenge. I did it last year sometime, and I did a video every day. And some of them I put on YouTube, some of them on LinkedIn, in various different places. But I did learn a lot. And and this was a guided. This was a paid guided challenge. And we did a, um, so I think once a week we did a a kind of a check in call, and uh, Nina from Clockwise would actually review the videos that we'd done and give us some feedback. Oh, wow. And and the biggest thing that I got from it, and, and there there were lots of different things, but and, and on one of my videos, by the way, I've I've included on, on my YouTube channel, I've included clips from my older YouTube videos so you can actually see over time how my my uh setup has improved. And like in the oldest video, I actually don't recognize myself. I don't sound like me and I don't look like me. <laughs> it's really That's weird. so funny. Yeah, it's it's mad. But um like I, I did change uh, how I approach it. And I, one thing I've gotten much better at is I have trained myself to look at the lens. And that is a big deal because when people are looking at the video, they feel like you're making eye contact with them. And now if you're on a call, like we're on a call right now, yeah, you do need to look down and look at the person's face. But it's good if you keep looking at the lens as much as you can. And then if you're actually doing YouTube video where you know there's no other person, you're not in conversation, you really need to look directly at the lens and because that then the, the viewer feels like you're making eye contact directly with them. And, and I think that that was one of the biggest things I got from that video challenge that I did. And it wasn't that I didn't know the information because she told us the first day it was that I needed to have 30 days of me being reminded every day, hey, you need to look at it more. Hey, you need to look at it more. Hey, you need to look at it more. And I eventually got it by the end and now, and now I'm much better at it.
0: Yeah, that I, it could be habit forming in that way, right? Uh, that's that's a really good point. Um, I know a friend of mine, Brian Richards, uh, actually set up a teleprompter and has his Zoom calls on that so he can look at the camera and t- at the person at the same time. So um, not everybody's going to go through those lengths. That's, Brian that's next is,
1: level. That's really cool. Yeah, I like yeah that.
0: Brian, Brian's a professional virtual summit producer. So um, he uh, this is the thing that he does. And so he... he spent a lot of time doing that. I tried for a while, but I hate clutter on my desk and I already have like multiple arms until like the teleprompter just gave me Ajita Um now we've been talking for a while, nearly an hour at this point. Um I want to I want to talk quickly about gear uh because you did mention that you want to look more professional, but um that's easier than ever these days, right? I have a I have a piece a blog post that is is being turned into a YouTube video. Um called Who is the iPhone Pro 4? Uh, you know, because Apple has these commercials like Michael Bay is, uh, or like Stanley Kubrick would use the iPhone to make movies. Uh, when that is, I understand why they're doing that positioning, but that's not who it's for. Um, it is for creators like you and me who can't spend $6,000 on a red 8K camera uh, or 4K camera, but want to have professional looking videos. The iPhone 13 Pro is absolutely perfect for that. Um, so what what is your what is your gear? Are you using a 4K camera? Are you using 1080p? Um, yeah, so, do you think it matters? Um, okay.
1: I'm producing video in 1080p HD. So I'm not producing in 4K. I'm not editing in 4K. I'm taking a 4K picture and, and down-resing it. And um, in fact... What I'm doing is I'm I'm bringing so I have a a Sony uh, A6100 which is uh, a couple of tiers down from the 6400. You made that video about you're talking about. Yeah, um, I have that with a, a Sigma 16 mil lens, and so I have Say, a, yeah
0: same lens as me. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and, and it's it's a fantastic setup. Um, again, like like that's dropping for. You know, if somebody buying that over here—that's dropping fifteen hundred euros. That's nearly t- nearly two thousand dollars. So, like, it's significant cost. Uh, yeah. Now, right now, I have that going through a um, an Elgato uh, Camlink 4K. Uh, I also have uh, because I have a second camera. I have an A10 Mini uh, Blackmagic A10 Mini, which I can take the oh, nice. two camera feed off, and I can switch back and forth. And I do that sometimes when doing a live workshop. I, I want to have a, a two camera feed. Um, but that glitched out on a call last week and I, I just plugged it out and plugged in the <laughs> plugged in the, the cam link just to get up and running and I, I haven't bothered to plug it back in since. So maybe that maybe I don't need that. But um yeah, I that so that's what I'm recording. But I'm actually using OBS. So that's um it's a free piece of software that you can um that you can do some really cool things with in terms of uh changing what's on your screen or putting up like um like lower third graphics and things like that, and it's really powerful. So I actually have it zoomed in. So I I have the the original four K picture is actually coming in at ten eighty P now, and then I'm actually zoomed in. So so really, it's not even a ten eighty P image. It's it still looks amazing. And even though I'm doing that and I'm zooming it in a bit, um, and I just want to do that because I want to, I want it to be to be a little bit closer because I think when it's um. And it's not zoomed in like that i'm I'm, I'm too small in the screen so mm. I do that particularly for zoom calls and things like that I have been doing some YouTube uh, videos just straight to camera like that and and so um if if we're recording this and you put a, a clip of the video from this up somewhere um people will see i'm like I'm just like a, a regular person in a zoom call but I just I happen to have a nice background. But uh that's how I do some of my YouTube videos. So I, I'm doing Zoom calls and YouTube videos and everything in the same place. And that for me was important because I didn't want to have to set up some, you know, to, to do something else. I didn't want to have to move and set up a camera and put up a tripod and get my lighting right and move the microphone and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to hit record and I've got a great I've got a great setup here already for that. So that was really important for me was that I can just hit record and make it, you know, make it happen,
0: yeah, I think that's a a really good point. You want to reduce the barrier of entry to do a lot of these things. again, maybe i don't I don't want to keep hitting back to this, but I'm about to publish something counter to this thinking, but maybe that's what a daily challenge is also for, right? you just like you can't automate things when you don't know the actual process, you can't make something easier if you don't know what's hard, right? So, um, I think that's really important. We have very similar setups. I'm not running the current my current camera through Ecamm Live as we talk, but for all of my YouTube videos and when I'm presenting, um, like when I'm presenting at a virtual summit or something like that, I will run it through Ecamm Live because I can add the lower thirds. I can switch cameras. My camera is on a movable arm, so I can change the background and I have like a, a pull up green screen um when I want to do stuff like that without having to move anything. So but as we established early on, we've been doing this this stuff for a lot of years. If you're starting today and you have an iPhone, like a new iPhone, most of them shoot 4K. And you don't need 4K. I like shooting 4K, 4K because, I don't know, I don't really need to, especially when I'm live streaming. Nothing can Nothing can live stream 4K at this point as we record this. Yeah, and if you shoot
1: 4K, then you can zoom in quite a lot and still right. have still have great quality 1080p video. And, and yeah. I think that's important because then you can clip, you can zoom in, you, you know, you can just use one one section of the screen, you can cut out, like if there's a, a radiator or something that you want to take out of the picture. There's lots right. of stuff you can do like that. Now, I I was in the States uh, for Thanksgiving, I was in Portland, and I went to buy the iPhone 13 Pro Max, I wanted to get it because I, I'm I'm ready to upgrade and uh, the cameras look great. Wasn't able to get one. So, um I actually bought myself a helicopter Supply trip over chain. Manhattan instead, but that's a different story. I'll tell you about that, I'll tell you about that another time. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. So I'm still using my trusty uh iPhone 8 uh plus. And wow. it is it is absolutely fine. The only thing is the battery is, you know, it's down to 82% or something. But like mm. I use this heavily and it's still is still still working. It's in perfect condition. I'm on my Fifth or sixth case, I'm on probably my tenth or twelfth screen protector because I actually chuck it around. Uh, I know I shouldn't admit to doing that, but that's what I do. I'm not very careful with it. And, I just started uh, sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it is it's it's still in perfect condition. And this has a 1080p front-facing camera and it has a 4k back camera. So. um and uh, it's got two two cameras in the back because it's the Plus model, and and so that's uh, a five year old iPhone, and it is perfect. And you know all of the like all of the Samsung Galaxy and all of those, they all have like better cameras than most professional photographers would have had fifteen years ago. You know, so yeah. you know for the most part, I know I know like, there's the the bigger lenses and things, but you know uh, practically speaking. The the camera quality is so good. So I, I think, you know, everybody has a great camera in the pocket. I would definitely say don't go out and spend 2K on gear before you've done a whole bunch of shooting cameras on your phone or whatever you know start right. out that way don't don't start out by getting the expensive gear you're gonna be like the 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 guy who wants to get into cycling and goes down to the shop and, and buys like a, a a ten a ten thousand dollar titanium frame bike or whatever you know you don't need to do that you know
0: yeah.
1: go go and get a a an eight hundred secondhand hand bike or whatever first get you know and, and, and get some experience before you go into Spending too much money, you know
0: absolutely well there's a I have a story about this and and I used to play paintball a lot in college, and um my school would do trips to this big paintball field called skirmish and uh one time this guy Uh, was dressed in... So there's a a difference between like paintball, where you're kind of in the woods, so you're wearing camouflage, and speedball, where you're like two teams and it's like capture the flag style. And in speedball, you're wearing bright colors so you can tell who's on your team and who's not, right? Um, And this guy is wearing full-on speedball gear. Um, He has a a very expensive paintball gun uh, where he's like, I can fire like like 10 or 20 paintballs a second or something like that. and, he, and I was like, dude, you only need one to get the person out. Like, you don't need to fire that many. And uh, we called him Pro Shop because he looked like a, a professional paintball shop threw up on him. Um, and he was so bad. He was so bad. It's always so, those guys, right? <laughs> yeah. Good gear is not going to make you good. Yeah, my brother, my brother and I were the best people on our team because he's like small and mousy and fast. So I would be his anchor and I would provide cover fire and stuff like that. And and our kill to death ratio was way better than pro shops was. So, um, and we had like the Tippmann, you know, like the standard, the the one that everybody gets when they buy their first paintball gun. So, um, good gear does not make you good. Amen. Uh, yeah. So I want to end. So I want to end with this question. Uh, who are your favorite YouTube creators? Huh. Okay.
1: So um, my my answer is going to be <laughs> probably a bit of, uh, off the beaten path for for, for y'all. Um, so I'll <laughs> say Calhoun is probably my number one. And I actually had him on my podcast. And I'll, I'll send you a link so you can include it in the show notes. His Thanks. channel is called Coveted Consultant. And what I love is just the simplicity, the frequency, the quality of information that he's delivered. And he has built a massive following on there, you know, in a, in a, in a, in the consulting niche. So it's not, it's not big, but yeah, he's, he's got a a great channel. Um, Apart from that, like, I don't have any other, like I'm not really a YouTube consumer and that probably Mm -hmm. feeds into, you know, that probably feeds into it being a secondary channel for me because I don't go and spend a lot of time on there. I think that if you are creating videos I think one thing, probably the most useful thing I did in that course that I did, well, but apart from you know, the, the information, which is okay, it's not the most useful, but but a, a big part of it was they got us to watch a lot of videos, and and so watching a lot of YouTube videos over and over again, particularly from the the good creators, like there was one Casey Neistat, and everybody knows him, um, mm-hmm. and there was one video he did where he loses his drone, and he has to go and rescue his drone which is on the roof of a, of another building. So if you lose a drone in New York City, you've got a, a like it's hassle to get it back. Yeah. So so this video is about about that. And the interesting thing was if you watch that video, and I'll I'll find it and link it so you can link to it. Um you'll see this three-act structure. You'll see him telling the story. It's not really about, you know, it's it's about the story. It's not about the the drone. And in fact, right. the, the really ironic thing is he doesn't actually show how he got it in the end, and and this is kind of weird, but like, so just like there, it's 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 like the um the Star Wars uh, movie you we were talking about this is, is kind of, he doesn't even show like really how he got there. He doesn't have footage of it, but he shows all the ways that he was stopped. Like he was stopped by security and, mm. um, you know, he there was locked doors and all of this kind of stuff. So the, he showed loads of different uh, barriers that he had hit, but he didn't show him getting the thing in the end. But he he, he also shows the after shot. And so, but as a story, it works really well because that's what people are focusing on. And he's a brilliant storyteller. So, um, yeah. so So I think it's possible to take, Pretty much any business topic, and turn it into a story, and in, introduce that tension, and 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 just make it make it more. Again, go back to the word "sticky." It's not the perfect word, but just kind of make it so that that it kind of. Uh, I think in, in in the YouTube world, they talk about the retention graph, and that that's what you want to focus on is is having people stay watching all the way through
0: yeah absolutely that is fantastic um, we'll we'll leave it at that Alistair thanks so much for joining me again on the show I really appreciate it if people want to learn more about you where can they find you you can
1: go to therecognizedauthority.com and you will find my email list and my uh, YouTube is all linked up there and, and check out the podcast
0: fantastic thanks so much uh, for that and all of the show notes it's going to be a a show notes rich page th- for this episode uh, you can go to howibuilt.it slash 257 if you are not a member of the creator crew you should sign up because Alistair and I are going to talk about things that we've bartered for uh, for doing work web design work or, or whatever work um, so definitely check that out uh, again you can sign up over at howibuilt.it slash 257 thanks so much for listening and Alistair thanks so much for joining me today thank you And uh, until next time, thanks so much for listening, and get out there and build something.